0: tuning in to the Glossy Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and today I sit down with the legendary Mickey Drexler, sorry to embarrass you, former CEO and chairman of J. Crew Group and CEO of Gap Inc. Today he is executive chairman of fashion brand Alex Mill, which in 2012 was co-founded by his son and the former head of design at Madewell. I wanted to ask Mickey about how his approach to running a startup versus a large corporation is different, and I wanted to get his take on retail's current direction. Welcome, Mickey.
1: Nice to be here, Jill.
0: So happy to have you. And I'm
1: happy to be here. I've done two startups before, but the difference, uh, and I'll tell you the difference between this startup and those, when I was at um, Gap Corporation, uh, I started Old Navy. Uh, but when I started Old Navy, which is a whole long story, um, I had the bank of Gap to fund it. Uh, I also, you know, it's also obviously part of a big corporation. Uh, and when you're part of a big corporation, even as a CEO, uh, there's always a lot of second guesses around, so on and so forth. Uh, I started Madewell, uh, which I owned the name of. I sold it to uh, J. Crew. And uh, same thing again, I had the Bank of J. Crew. Uh, this business, uh, there's no big banks. Uh, there's my bank and my son's bank and all that. Uh, we don't have any investors other than us. And uh, it's much more difficult because um, we don't have a lot of people working there and at, uh, at the other two companies. Uh, we had an enormous amount of assets being people connection to factories worldwide. Uh, and we have a lot of leverage. Uh, here, for example, uh, there's 17 of us. Uh, and we could probably use more people, but uh, we can get by without that. Uh, we have uh, minimum orders we must meet uh, uh, that factories impose upon us. And uh, so therefore, we sell wholesale uh, to um, you know, Net-A-Porter and, uh, and Nordstrom and about 20 other smaller stores so we can meet the minimums. Uh, and you just end up doing more jobs than you used to do. Uh, and I sit in a small office, uh, which I, I always like to hang around with the people anyway, a tiny office, uh, and everyone's within, except for COVID, now we're all kind of back again. Uh, everyone's four, six feet away or whatever. Uh, it's different, and uh, you don't have the same kind of uh, uh, asset base cash-wise to do everything you'd like to do. That That's generally speaking. Otherwise, uh, I love it because uh, you're involved in every decision, uh, you're looking at everything in detail, uh, and you're micromanaging like crazy, which I like to do.
0: <laughs> Who doesn't? So you could potentially use more people. Could you atten- potentially use more funding do you want to con- continue to fund the brand with your son
1: well you know there's a great benefit uh, to not having investors uh, in, in all due respect to my investors or bosses or whatever uh, i don't have to negotiate with anyone except myself and my son sometimes and the team members but it's not a it's not negotiating with uh, someone perhaps who doesn't have the same vision who doesn't uh, have the same long term view? Uh, you know, private equity, uh, for example, is different than, and that's where my partners are from uh, at, uh, at J. Crew. Different view, different interest. Uh, ve- venture capital, where they weren't involved, but different view, different interest. Uh, and board members, different view, different interest. And frankly, uh, understanding the fashion business. Uh, is, uh, it's a rarity if you don't, if you're not in it and if you don't have the instincts for it. Uh, and, uh, so that, so I don't have that either. Now uh, I do have my own board of directors, but they're unofficial and they're all people who I know or met or work with who I call on regularly. Uh, but it's, it's, it's a big difference and, uh, and so far we're okay on the investments And we probably spend, by the way, a lot less. But we're we're starting to step it up, and our business, fortunately, has been very strong for startup. I think it has been. I don't. I don't. You know, at Madewell, it took us five years to get there. At uh, Old Navy, like a rocket, it just took off like a rocket. Uh, And uh, no, so when I when we need the cash, uh, more cash, we'll probably deal with. In the meantime. Uh, we're involved, so involved with everything, uh, me and the team, uh, that we're trying to buy the right quantities. We're trying to do all the right things so that we, in fact, don't uh, don't spend money we don't have to spend.
0: Yeah. So, Madewell, that five years, are you saying five years to reaching profitability? What happened in five years?
1: Well, it, it five or six years it took. Um, wh- what happened is uh, our first store was the worst store in America. We picked a very good shopping mall in Texas, don't ask me why uh in the wrong wing and that really hurts a company if you have and today you know it wasn't online like there is today uh but the real estate hurt us uh we didn't have samsac i might add uh and in in the fashion business and, and it's not fashion it's it's product in the sense if you don't have the right merchant if you don't have the right Designer, if you don't have the right marketing, uh, you're probably not going to be that successful uh, because uh, this word algorithms doesn't run companies or artificial intelligence, doesn't run fashion companies, or in my opinion, any company. Uh, You need product is one, uh, product is two, product is three, along with great people. Uh, And so, uh, and that's what I think we have. There's not a lot of us. But whoever's there is someone who can fit in, work, and, and see around corners to a degree. Uh, and, uh, but, uh, but Madewell was part of a big corporation. We opened up more stores than we should have early on. The second store was the second worst one. Yeah, you remember your mistakes better than your successes. First was Texas. Second, Las Vegas. Uh, I got an F for those two stores. I don't know what I was thinking. Good shopping malls but in the wrong location in the malls. So that's what happened. And when you pay rent for five or 10 years, that's a drag on it. That plus the stores, we didn't hit our stride either in uh, in those two stores. It takes time. Uh, and uh, I, I think we, at uh, Alex Mill, I think we hit our stride on product much more quickly because uh, it, it made, well, we weren't really sure-ish. I love the way the stores look. Uh, but once we became an important jeans company, uh, thanks to our friend Mary, uh, then the company took off like a rocket.
0: What's been your a- approach to growth? Are you profitable now? Uh, do you call it steady growth? How do you describe it? how do you, How do you want it to go? I guess.
1: Well, uh, we're not profitable. Um, we don't lose that. You know, uh, I-, I think without uh, COVID, we would have done. Uh, we would have lost less money this year. Uh, We had one store that was for two or three weeks was rocking and rolling in the Soho. Now it's like, I don't know what it's doing, but there's not a lot of people down there uh, getting a little better. Uh, That would have been a very important uh, store for us. And now it's not because Manhattan is not a great place to be. uh, And uh, we're not opening a second store yet. Um, So um, uh, growth, we're growing our our comm store. Our growth is like crazy, but it goes a nickel, a dime, you know, a quarter, uh, so to speak. So we've uh this year we'll have times seven what it was two and a half years ago. But you know, for me, I'm used to big or getting big. Uh but I'm I'm okay with it as long as it grows nicely, and as long as you don't make stupid mistakes, and as long as we pick the right goods, I'm very happy with it. Uh and um, and I don't have anyone pushing, uh, but I, I probably if, I'd probably go a little faster, uh, which we're going to start to do now.
0: Well, we'll dig into that strategy. I have to ask about these minimums. It seems like a big headache. First of all, I want to say, do these factories know who you are? Like you're making Mickey Dress. Anyway, <laughs> that's wild. But like, is that really the reason why you're um, relying on wholesale partners in any capacity? Would you, would you not even go there?
1: No no I, I they they know who I am but so what <laughs> they want the money okay let let's face it uh, you know uh, it's about it's about how much we're spending uh the um they, they yeah I know them all from my past experience and uh uh the difference between us and uh the other companies is the other companies were huge customers of them and they're not going to fool around with Old Navy or with this one and that one saying, oh, we want for the new business X amount of units. Uh, so they, they know. Uh, we would. Sa- it started as a wholesale company. Alex started it as a wholesale company six or seven years ago. Uh, and we have loyalty to, uh, to our accounts. Uh, but yes, we need them because uh, we couldn't buy the goods. Now, the, the other problem we've had, and this is probably more information than you need, is buying a color uh, for us, we have to buy a minimum of colors. Uh, so it's a style, but the colors are a minimum. So what, what happened is we were overbuying colors that didn't warrant those quantities. And we, we st- I said, either no color or one that's really an important color. You can't buy a marginal color that's almost equal to a best color. I, again, I don't want to get too technical here. So, no, that's uh, interesting. It, it, it's 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 tough, not easy, but yeah, we would sell wholesale. It's good to get our name out there, uh, and uh, you know we have really we have really good accounts.
0: Yeah, what's a bad account? Would it be like one of those traditional department stores? Like who do, who do you not want to partner with?
1: <laughs> well, no, a bad account number one is someone doesn't pay the bills, which we have <laughs> right a, we have a few of those. No, we 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 uh, we screen every every store we sell. We want right to be. On in the right store with the right company. So we do that.
0: Yeah, yeah. so you're ready to kind of hit the gas pedal on growth a little bit here. Uh, what's the approach there?
1: Well, it's a good question. Um, this afternoon, I I, I speak to, um, I will call anyone, well, uh, my, my friend Margot, who I was on the phone with this morning, uh, Margot Fouché, who uh, I, I work a lot of people over the years. And I find myself now, uh, I mentored a lot of people also. Now I, I said to Margo, I said, you're going to mentor me on this because she's at a company where she's helped that's uh, sold. Uh, uh, you know, I, I always forget the name of her company, but it's the one that just got sold. Greg Renfrew was the founder and CEO, you know.
0: Oh, Beauty Counter.
1: Beauty Counter, right. So, so <laughs> I was on the phone with Margo this morning and uh, we were talking and I said, I want to get better known. I send a lot of people. That so she gives me the name of someone they they work with, and uh, we have a three thirty meeting this afternoon with them uh, because she said they will help you. And you know, for me, when you have a trust uh, of someone's judgment over the years, it's so important. So if Margot says that, I listen, and I have people who I call, and they'll say something. Uh, that I, I know them well enough and I trust them. And so it makes it a little easier for me giving my network. Uh, and I have a quite, you know, I have a large network as the companies I've been involved with, but we're going to step on the gas to a degree. We're meeting with them at 3.30. This is what they do. Uh, and, uh, uh, but we're also, our growth is, we're out of 30% of our uh, styles right now. Uh, last christmas we couldn't fill orders so we we haven't bought enough and i hate excess inventory uh, we don't have sales at all no sales you don't see us on sale which is the enemy uh, of the world uh, and which got me into uh, I, you know the word direct customer only it's about 50 years old people think oh you're a direct customer only you know i, I Some of us have been doing that our whole careers, because if we weren't direct to consumer, uh, our goods that we sell would all be marked down somewhere. You know, the most successful department store today is uh, is uh, T.J. Maxx.
0: Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean,
1: think about it. And Carol Meyer, which one of the great merchants I know, uh, does off price business tremendously. And uh, so anyway, we just sell. uh, We don't do sale we sell our own goods to customers uh, and we're not worrying about who's on sale with uh with Alex Mill.
0: And, yeah, right. Or,
1: or, or else I couldn't be in this business.
0: Nice. So this meeting this afternoon is more like a marketing agency a branding agency. Yeah, what, what,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I never heard of them until uh until an hour ago. And and <laughs> Margot said you should meet with them and I said, "Okay, let's do it."
0: Yep. It's nice. really simple.
1: I never like to wait to put yeah. off what can be done
0: now. I love your approach. Well, I would say it's outside of the box in terms of folks I'm used to talking to and dealing with. N- not once has somebody picked up the phone and called me and said, let's talk ahead of the podcast and just to like, yeah, talk it out. What are you doing now? And I freaking loved it. Nobody talks on the phone, Mickey. <laughs> or Do you do this all day?
1: Well, I, I, I much rather... Talk. I I want to have a kind of a connection with people and get a sense. So I do it. Yeah, I'll do it a lot. If I get an email, they leave a phone number. I call because it 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 kind of speeds up the process of knowing someone and of feeling it. Or you know, whether it's an interview, I'll call someone. They send me a resume. I'll call them. And by the way, ten minutes later, I think that's the advantage of growing up in the Bronx. It's very quick on decisions. And uh, but but I'll never forget I was um, in uh, Chicago. I don't know how many decades ago this was, and I've always called quickly. But I was uh, 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 Pritzker A. N. Pritzker. I was with my friend Dick Friedman, close friend. And Dick said to me, and it's not that I didn't know it, but A. N. Pritzker. I was looking for a real estate broker in Chicago, and he picked up his phone like that. And Dick said. The sign of an entrepreneur, which I never define myself as that, but you don't put things off. I love when people like that, uh, and it says something about them. So when I called you, I well, I wanted to know about you because we never met, and uh, and it gave me a sense. But I'll call anyone. I don't like people who don't call back. I don't like people who don't answer. Those are the big shots I don't want to deal with. But there's very few around, you know. Or with me, there are few. You never really know.
0: So, yeah. Well, I'm glad we connected. But we talked a little bit about ahead of this um, conversation about um, when you are interviewing people and kind of the signs of, I guess, uh, somebody who's going to succeed in your, in your world, in your company, who's going to maybe go the extra mile. Uh, what are some of those signs?
1: The signs are <laughs> <laughs> how fast they walk down. You know, if, if I see them because I see if I'm in the office, slow walkers, I, I know this is silly, but if you're walking slowly, or, you know, in my, in my other companies had these buildings, and if I see someone walking slowly, I would, you know, I, I would be a little concerned because you you got to move fast. But, you know, if, or, or I always had like offices that weren't fancy and closed, so on and so forth. You observe what they're doing while they're waiting. Uh, in a sense, uh, the interview itself. If I I have to learn something from them, I have to feel it. I have to learn it. Uh, I have to know where they've worked and and uh, and what have they done. And if they go to school, what would they have done as the school president? You know. You know. I I, I want to know if people are thinking about things. You know. You can chat for a half hour and get a sense if there's a uh, an energy uh, you get a sense of sometimes who's entitled and who's not uh, or who thinks well and who doesn't uh, but you feel it and and it's something for me that I've always that's you know you make mistakes at times I'm not impressed with grades I'm not impressed with where they went to college uh, I'm not impressed with all those signs of I am a special person. I I belong to this club and that club. Give me a good waiter or waitress than the book club wherever uh, that you were the vice chairman of. Uh, Give me someone who's worked, got their ass kicked a little, uh, and is not spoiled or not entitled and has a work record. Uh, You feel that in a sense. Uh, and, and, uh, and it's easy to ask, like if they worked at McDonald's, I want to know what they do. If they were the store manager, uh, I have a pet peeve and Mc- I used to not McDonald's, uh, uh, Starbucks and, and a woman didn't have an answer to do anything better there and not, not a good sign. You know, what, what could you do better on your job? If you were your boss, what would you do? Uh, I want to know all that stuff. By the way, I want to know not, they're not interview questions. I'm curious. I, I'd like to know, but I, I think if you learn, you have to learn about them. You have to get an energy, you have to feel it, and uh, and and I don't, you know. Sometimes, as many jobs as they have, I just want to know that they're thinking about each job strategically because it's sometimes hard to when you're, and you get an excuse, you get a pass on on jobs in, in your twenties. It happens to everyone.
0: For sure. Well, you mentioned something watching them walk, which is harder to do in the Zoom life. Um, right. but we've talked, I love what you had to say about in the past about uh, being in New York. Do you need to be in New York as somebody who's working for a, a New York based company or maybe the fashion industry? What's your take on that now?
1: Well, um, I lived in San Francisco for 18 years. Uh, you know, Old Navy, gap in banana republic. Uh, our design team was all in New York so you know i I, I commuted a fair amount uh, i I don't know if New York's so important anymore but in fashion I think it's very important I, I, I think the uh, there's a lot of creative people here. it might be changing by the way because a lot of people think they can live someplace else and work for new York companies. there's a whole thing going on now. Because uh, because people in the last year worked on Zoom. Now, I was away uh, for five, four four and a half months, uh, which I think I mentioned to you, living in a warm climate. And uh, I found the second I got back how much I missed, especially in my world. You know, you look at merchandise, the colors never looked right. Uh, you couldn't feel the garments. You couldn't look at, you couldn't have spontaneity on creativity, uh, because, you know, everything was the Zoom is at 2.15, the Zoom is this time, the Zoom is that time. And uh, so I I think New York's important in my world, but not, probably not in other worlds. And, and, but I do think uh, being with people in an environment versus never coming to work is a serious problem, in my opinion. Now, I don't know, there are jobs that I'm not familiar with, maybe. Uh, IT jobs. I, I know lawyers who don't come to offices, but but I find there is a, a certain amount of uh, uh spontaneity, creativity. Oh, by the way, and then there's someone there, you call them, come up. Uh we have a small company, we can do that. But a lot of these big uh, fashion companies, they're all going back on Labor Day. And I wonder, uh, you know, uh, and I'm not being insensitive to COVID, but you know, people have the two vaccines if they stay six feet apart and they're in a product business. One of my friends who's the founder and CEO of a $5 billion company, 83% of the uh, associates voted not to come to work. They, 83%. He was pissed off, uh, uh, really pissed off because he goes to work. Uh, I would be upset too. I mean, I you know, people don't show up at times. A lot of time, and, and now I hear, I don't know if it's a fact, they don't have to move this They're home, they could stay in another state. I like to have meetings, I like to get together, I like to talk strategy, uh, and I like to get input. And I think people being around add a lot to that. You know, uh, Jamie Diamond last week, there was uh, from JP Morgan, said, um, and I called him to say, I agree. He, uh, right, no, I emailed him. <laughs> and uh he said if if you're doing social media or you're out trying the newest restaurant or whatever come to work and uh i i found it was hard for me to fill my day when i wasn't in the office in the office i film my day
0: well one more question about office work culture uh you kind of have a reputation as being i don't know tough i would say it's <laughs> tough the word um And we've talked about, you know, bosses in my past that had a bad reputation, and I always just considered them kind of tough but fair, and I just thought it was like, that's your boss. Like, they're getting things done. Um, Do you think, you know, maybe everybody's a little bit too sensitive, or maybe that a a little bit of a tougher approach is really needed to to make a go of a company?
1: Well, you know, it's an interesting thing. Um, (laughs) I never looked... uh uh, I, I always consider myself fair. I, I never demand of anyone what I wouldn't demand of myself. Now, I, I don't know what that makes me. Uh, I think I'm friendly with pretty much friendly with everyone I didn't work out with me, except two or three people, uh, <laughs> which says something. Uh, uh, yeah, you, you have to be you have to be tough. Now when I say tough, it's high standards. It's kind of pushing people on things that are important. Uh, You know, I I was with Steve Jobs for 16 years. I loved Steve on his board, that is. Um, I I loved him because he was tough. He was demanding. uh, Probably the best person I've ever kind of worked with. And it was okay because that's how I feel. I don't know if you're, you're not unreasonable. You want to have the best companies in the world and the best organizations and the best value, uh, you're gonna have a standard. Now, I'm not sure my toughness, I don't call myself tough. I call myself fair with really high standards that uh, I apply to myself first and foremost. I've never ever not felt responsible. And this is interesting, I started with Bloomingdale's, I was a swimsuit and sweater buyer and t-shirt buyer. Billion years ago, I felt responsible for the store's business. If I looked at department 383 and 381, I was 23 years old. And I was either feeling good or not good based on my own business. I don't know. That's just the standard I have inside of me because I felt a lot of people aren't like that or are very political. And when I quit the department stores, I said, you know, enough of this. Enough. I need to, I need to be involved. I didn't. I didn't evaluate it as enough for this, but I felt enough. Uh, yeah, tough. If tough is defined as a high standard, you've got to be the best out there, one of the best. Then
0: yes. Is that your big takeaway from? I'm sure there are many from Steve Jobs, Eddie. Uh, <laughs> I guess what was what was your big learning? What were some of your big learnings from working with Steve Jobs?
1: Well, high, uh, incredibly high standards, great vision. Uh, the most seductive human being I've ever met when he wanted something. Uh, because, you know, I, I wouldn't join his board for a year. Don't ask me why. That was not intelligent. It, it showed a low IQ. But <laughs> uh, I, I really didn't like public company boards. Uh, and he, um, so after about a year, he said, I'll join your board uh, if, uh, if you join my board. And I said, We have a deal. Because my board, we're a family-controlled company. I'm still friendly with the boys who, you know, we, we talk and schmooze. But I'd I'd love to have Steve on our board because he would be nothing but a pain. And <laughs> I think uh, – and, and we needed a pain. Uh, yeah. And I enjoyed that. So I joined his board. And the fact is that um, I watched him uh, invent. I watched him have standards. I watched him bet, betting the company uh but uh, most of all uh, he was just smart and willing to try things and um and by the way i watched him be sick ill and brave it was stunning uh and and stunning right to his end uh, i never seen anything like that in my life and um and it was very very uh, to me it was like so touching Uh, he come to board meetings and at the end he was you know you knew that it was no longer Steve you know Uh, and all that while he worked and worked and worked and created with Johnny Ives extraordinary company
0: extraordinary for sure did it did it change your I guess mindset in terms of joining a board you I know there's Warby Parker there's been Outdoor Voices like uh, what are you open to to being a part of I guess
1: yeah, no, I, I, it, it didn't change anything other than there was one Steve Jobs in the world. And, you know, sometimes you do things you don't realize. You know, 16 years of Steve, I never really said, God, am I fortunate to, to be here? Uh, you know, and I was fortunate. Didn't, I just haven't met another Steve. Uh, I don't know if I ever will. I'm sure there may be out there, but he was an uh, incredible, uh, extraordinary guy. And I loved him, really did. And uh, I think he suffered a bit uh, of, well, forgetting his illness. But nothing, he he was, uh, the only two things that he was really happy about during, when I say happy, is number one, the day uh, Apple uh, stock exceeded that of Dell, he was like really happy because I think Michael Dell said they should be out of business. And then he went really happy the day it exceeded Microsoft. And I'll never forget those two days. So, uh, but, you know, he's a special human being and, and I
0: miss him. I mean, huge wins. Beat yeah. Microsoft. <laughs> Did you have a party? <laughs> <laughs> Hello. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, back to Alex Mill. I have to ask, you, you were mentioning the Soho store that's maybe – you know, not best positioned now, and maybe you're you're scouting out other locations. Uh, will you be opening stores in the next year, and where will those maybe uh well
1: fall? W- well, Joe, it's a really good question because um, I think we should open stores, uh, and uh, we're gonna have to figure that out. Uh, I w- you know I don't know if Soho is gonna be good or not, um, uh, but we're ready to open stores. I-, I have a hard time thinking of opening in Texas or Florida, where I know business is really good because I'd like to be in New York for our second store. Uh, but we're looking and we don't have an answer yet. Um, but I'd like to be in New York or New York suburbs, just to be near it. Near
0: TBD, um, the pandemic, did it change the company's approach to anything? Was it just like survival mode, keep going? How would you describe the impact of the last year?
1: Well, um, we um, we actually had a great year, starting in... Uh, we started in February or March. Uh, where well, we had all the markdowns. We took it changed. Yeah, I, I was really disappointed. Look, everyone got their ass kicked, uh, so we did also. Uh, it made a big difference on finances for us, but that's life. And uh, it didn't change much at this point in my life. I've seen it all. I, you know, how many times for I've hit a wall? Sometimes it might have cost me my job, or might not have, but uh there's uh, it was okay. I mean, you, you deal with what you're dealt with. and that's what we were dealt with. And we had no choice. We had an incredible uh, uh, I guess it was Christmas, November, December, last last year because we were out of stock, completely out of stock. And that was and I, I like to be somewhat optimistic about things. So I'm always looking for good news and the bad news. And the good news is people like our goods and the bad news is we didn't have enough of them. And um, so, so we'll, we'll get on and we'll do our best. And and I think if I look at the merchandise, uh, I I think we can win. Uh, I think uh, the stores around, you know, a lot of people, uh, I'm not, I don't love a lot of stores. There's some I love and others, you know, that I don't love. So I think the competition I hear a lot of women say, where do I shop today? I hear it all the time. And um, and I like to think we are a place where you shop. Biggest problem we had uh, is we haven't had the right fits on a couple of our pants. And our jumpsuit was a uh, size too large. And we're fixing or have fixed all that. And now we just have to buy more goods. Uh, I'm a little allergic to having inventory, but we, we have to buy more inventory.
0: Yeah, what's the I guess balance of I I think of you guys lately because I've been seeing all the it girls wearing your fab jumpsuit. Um, do you lean into I guess jumpsuits right now? Um, what do you where do you go from here? Now, seeing all that buzz that's happening.
1: Well, uh, we're at unfortunately we don't have enough jumpsuits. We're kind of sold out, which annoys me because we shouldn't have been sold out. We we have uh, big orders coming in. I, I think we lean into. Any fundamental items or styles that a woman or a man are going to wear as a uniform, uh, and, and I say that because dressing shouldn't be complicated or too fashiony or too novelty. The, the other thing is quality is really important in our prices because we don't we don't make margin on our wholesale accounts purposely. So if you look at it, and this has been my whole career, uh, one markup—that's it, not two. Uh, and i am allergic nice. uh, to two markup companies so if uh, so if this jacket which is alex mill uh, was a uh, two was a two markup company we would this is i think 165 or what it would be it's 275 jacket uh, i learned that really early in my career for two reasons one the prices are inflated and someone might have it on sale, uh, and the other reason is you can't grow a company if you if you're buying just branded goods. Just, yeah. So, uh, but we're, we're going to expand, uh, but we need to figure out how and when.
0: Well, the fact that you did not discount throughout the last year is really interesting. Is that something where you, after leaving J Crew, that was kind of. A point where I don't want to do this anymore. Just being a J. Crew shopper, I know that I never shop J. Crew unless it was forty percent off. Just
1: yeah. saying. Um, look, I I learned early on. Not not no one taught me this thing, but uh, I'll never forget. I was in. Uh, well, I always learned at Bloomingdale's. That was the, the lesson. Always meet price. So it taught me there to always meet price. But if you always meet a discounter's price, and there's not a lot of discounters in those days. But Alexander's, which you probably don't know of, was uh, on 59th, and they used to have all my goods and bathing suits. They had a big bathing suit sale, and my margin was worth half overnight. That taught me a big lesson. Then, when I was running Ann Taylor, Brooks Brothers was part of the group there. Now, Brooks Brothers, then, two things I remember. One is they kept lowering the quality of their products, which They've done for years, or they used to be really important. And number two, they owned the label. And if you own your label, no one can discount it unless you know you're selling to a lot of wholesalers who're putting things on sale, or if you hunt around. A lot of companies are doing more business on discount than they are on regular price these days. So, um, so, so for me, it's integrity. Why should I pay on a Thursday? what's going to be on sale on a Sunday. It's ridiculous. And uh, and most of these companies take markups that are excessive so they can put them on sale. That's the way it works. Uh, and we decided we didn't want to run our company that way. You know, I, I, I always felt uh, I, I would annoy me if I missed the sale, you know.
0: I have felt this way in the past for sure well goals for 2021 what are you looking what are you looking at in terms of the the year overall for the company you're gonna get on that marketing you're going to see <laughs> some good growth what else would I leave off
1: well you know we're we're working on holiday now um we're out of too much inventory uh what I'd like to see is uh, us being more aggressive on inventory number one Especially with our inventory, because it doesn't go out of style, you know, in a month, two or three, uh, you know, things that our customers wear. And, and for guys, it's easy, you know. Most men, by the by, the time they're nine years old, they have their uniforms for life. You, you know, that's the way it is. I, for me, the same thing forever and ever. Except, you know, button-down shirt pair of chinos or jeans, and then then you you live for the rest of your life like that. For women, I know it's different, but uh, to me, it's uh, have the goods that are always not, not throw out goods in a way uh, is important, high quality, uh, and buying more inventory and probably hopefully opening a store or two. And I'll let you know how today's 3 o'clock, 3.30 meeting goes, because they're going to help us figure out what we're missing uh, in terms of, of growing the business. Uh, but I, I think you know people are s- slowly but surely learning who we are. But uh, it takes time, and yeah. uh, you know I think people in the fashion world know know who Alex Mill is, but not not, not the the citizens around America.
0: The common folk. <laughs> when you leave a company, are you do you kind of just like? You're done. You don't want to look back. Does it do, do, does it do your heart good to just know that you started Madewell and you started Old Navy and those companies are <laughs> outperforming, I guess, the core brand, the Gaps and the J. Crews.
1: Well, uh, no. I, I didn't leave my two companies in circumstances that uh, I would have chosen. Uh, but we all know I was, I was fired at the Gap. Although uh, my chairman the next day said he made a mistake, uh, that wasn't that wasn't a nice experience. Uh, but I didn't, you know, he made a mistake. Okay, that's fine. Uh, and at J. Crew and and Madewell, I was the biggest shareholder in the company. And when I say the biggest, not percentage, because if you're private equity, you invest other people's money. I'm not complaining with where I am, but I I invested in my own. So I didn't leave either of them happy. What does that mean? You know, I've been very fortunate in my life uh, to do what I've done uh, and have the experiences I've had. But so no, I didn't leave either of them happy.
0: Well, Mickey, last question now for real um, fashion's direction. Are you wearing sweatpants down there? <laughs> are we, are we overblowing the idea that everyone's wearing sweatpants and sweats and this is it?
1: Um, I'll tell you what I'm wearing today. Cause I, I, drove in from long island i was working out i did soul cycle this morning and i went right from soul cycle to drive here so i'm wearing a a 20 i've been looking for a new uh jogger i have old nikes on but it doesn't matter they kind of i guess polyester wears forever so i have old nikes on and uh this is what i was wearing except i had a t i i I changed my t-shirt uh, but I, I, when I go to the office after this, no, I, I don't wear this. I, I wear jeans or chinos every day.
0: Good. <laughs> Good my answer. Uni- way, I don't want to wear uniform.
1: sweatpants. It's my uniform.
0: Yes. Did you guys go more casual at Alex Mill this year? In well, terms we're always of
1: casual. Yep. I mean, you, you know, and, and casual. Yeah, we're always casual. Well, Who doesn't go casual today? Right. I mean, I mean, everyone is. I know I, I don't see anyone wearing suits anymore or ties.
0: Well, Mickey Drexler does SoulCycle. Cycle. I think that was the biggest takeaway.
1: <laughs> but I'm the, uh, uh, by the way, it was, I'm the godfather of SoulCycle. Cycle, my, my what official title. What? Oh,
0: I did not know this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I missed that in the introduction.
1: No, the two founders, uh, Julie and Elizabeth, uh, granted me that honor uh, because I used to. Uh, I don't know if I mentored them or hung out. Uh, I I bothered them a bit, and they made me the godfather of soul. So to this day, I am the godfather of soul.
0: That's the coolest name ever. (laughs) How many people (laughs) would you say you have mentored throughout your career? I feel like you are just offering up advice left and right. I mean, is that that something that you really... um,
1: I love doing it. You love, yeah. I love because uh, I, I never had anyone... Uh, you know, I didn't grow up in an environment where I knew to call someone like me, although people will call me cold, uh, but I never was mentored, uh, except when I started working at Bloomingdale's, Katie Murphy, may she rest in peace, mentored me. I loved Katie, and she would have been the CEO. She should have been, but she was a woman uh, in the early 70s, uh, and then she died at a pretty young age. And I lo- We go to Europe three or four times a year to factories when you can go to Italy and buy sweaters. And uh, she was a wonderful mentor. So Bobby Brown is a close friend. She calls me her mentor. She always calls me her mentor. I said, how am I your mentor? She goes, you don't know how you helped me when I was leaving Estee Lauder. And she says, you don't know how many people you mentor. I said, I never thought about it. Mm -hmm. And next day, her friend and publicist calls me, a woman named uh, Lynette. And says, Bobby told me we should have an article on you and all the people you mentored. They're working on it. I don't know how it will come out, but I made a list of all these people. And there are a lot of them, but I love helping people because if they need help, uh, it makes me feel really good. And by the way, uh, you know, it's the teaching thing also. I, if I'm difficult at times, it's because it's a standard. It's not a purposeful difficult being difficult. Uh, But I'm trying to I'm trying to teach, I guess, you know, that's what I do.
0: I mean, who said you're difficult? This is the most fun I've had on a podcast. (laughs) This is so fun. (laughs) Mickey, thank you for being here.
1: Anytime, Jill.
0: That's all for this episode. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. Be sure to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to the Glossy Podcast. See you next week.